Science Podcast. My name is Tyler Bublitz, and welcome back to the seventh Sunday of Easter or Ascension Day, depending on what your pastor decides to do for the week of May 24th, 2020. And I'm excited to have you here. I'm excited to dig in this week's podcast. And I'm excited that we've made it to this point in the church here, this final Sunday of Easter, this final time where we're going through actually quite a bit here the next few weeks before we get into the long season of Pentecost. But it's this exciting culmination of us understanding and realizing what Easter is all about. And as we're in this weird and strange time in which we're at right now within the world, it's kind of a fun time to be thinking about and considering that as we're dealing with all that. So, Before we jump into this week's podcast, though, we have to look at the Twitter question from last week, and that was a very deep philosophical question last week of, how do you understand the Holy Spirit? And we got a lot of different answers this week. We had answers talking about it, looking at it kind of like angels and your conscious type of idea. We got a great answer of, may the force be with you, which again, with always being close to May the 4th. It's always kind of fun to have that idea. And I would say that that's a part of it. But I did get a response this week that I really liked. And it was interesting also that we had a lot of responses this week. There was a lot of people who thought the different analogies of using it as a refiner's metal was an interesting way of looking at things. Also, just looking at it as a catalyst within a type of science experiment was another one that related. But this response that I got back from a loyal listener, I really enjoyed. The Holy Spirit is everywhere. The Holy Spirit connects us with God, our relationship and stewards of the great gifts that he has given us. He is always there, a part of the very being, and like the wind, you never know what direction he will lead you. I just like that idea, the direction on where where are we going with all this? Where are we moving to? And that it's somewhat out of our hands. And it leads beautifully into the text that we have this week. Now, I'm going to try summarizing like I typically do with these types of weeks, gathering in all the readings together. So there's a lot of readings. So I'm first going to go through the Ascension text, and then I'll move on to the seventh Sunday. But I do think that they blend really, really well this week. So for your Ascension day, which was Thursday, the gospel text is Luke chapter 24, verses 44 through 53. And this is now where in Luke's text, his kind of closing statements, this is coming from the very end of Luke's gospel, and that he is confirming that this is what the Messiah was here for, that he was died and to be risen, and that he proclaimed who God was and helped be the person who Christ was sent to be, and that that was leading them and drawing them and their minds and understanding and bringing the scriptures together. The first reading then is out of Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. And get used to this reading because we actually have it again. And this is, again, the author of Luke also wrote Acts. So this is like his continuation and that, okay, 
Jesus is ascending and is going to a place and his disciples are saying, you know, is this the time when everything's going to be renewed like has been promised to us? And Jesus is really saying, I'm not here to disclose that information right now. What I am here is that I am going to give you the Holy Spirit at this time. And then he ascends into heaven. The psalm for this is Psalm 47, which is this psalm of praise that we are thanking this God who is doing all this, that is guiding us and giving us all these different gifts around us. So why wouldn't we be singing praise to God for that? Really fun little psalm this week. Definitely worth checking out. The second reading is from Ephesians chapter 1, verses 15 through 23. Now, this is bringing this all together. And I will also kind of give you a foretaste. Both second readings, I think, are really important in kind of bringing all of this together. But what Ephesians is getting into here is that because of what Christ has done for us, because that he went through this and has through this allowed us to be able to have the Holy Spirit, that this is something worthy of being praised. But the reason that this had to happen is that with Christ ascending, it was the fulfillment of what had been foretold, but it also it was putting Jesus into the position that he needed to be. He been with the people, he could relate with the people, he could understand what the people were wanting, like a good boss, that I've been at your level and they've spent time there, but now in a position that we can better communicate and better understand so that we have this better understanding of who God is and God, in a way, has a better understanding of who we are, even more deeply, having been able to directly connect with us. But it's mostly for our benefit, for us to be able to understand and connect with God at that level. And this is where that Christ is the head of the church, of the body of Christ, being able to help move us in the direction of where God is steering us. So the lectionary text for the seventh Sunday of Easter, the gospel is out of John chapter 17, verses 1 through 11. Now this is, again, the farewell discord that Jesus has, and it has very much that type of feel to this text, that what as Christ here for, Christ is here to bring glory to God. And that now that I am finishing up this, that I'm going to be going somewhere, that I am going to be leaving this place, but you will not be abandoned. You are not orphaned. You, are, I'm still with you coming back even the last week. And when Christ was with us, that all these different words and teachings and things that he was doing was from the Father so that we can better understand who he is and that when he is no longer with us, that we have already established this relationship and we can continue this relationship. The first reading is from then Acts chapter 1 verses 6 through 14. So if you're remembering from the Ascension text, the Ascension text was Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. This is 6 through 14. So a lot of overlap there. But I think there's some really important parts here to the second half of this, which I will be getting a little bit more into, and it'll be a major point of where I'm taking this text here in a few minutes. But 
here we have the disciples are with Jesus. They see him ascend. And then we get this commentary here at the very end of all the different disciples gathering together with Mary, the mother of Jesus, as well as his brothers, to pray. And in certain women, which they specify the mother of Jesus. So that they're going through, they see this transformation, and now they are, I think it's safe to assume, is questioning what is going on. So they go and pray. The psalm this week is Psalm 68, verses 1 through 10 and 32 through 35. This is, again, realizing and showing when Christ shows up, things happen. So this idea of Christ going out and being prosperous to the desert, bringing rain to the desert, bringing fruitfulness to places where it isn't fruitful. And you get even in verse 2 where he melts the wax, the things that are impure to get us out of us. And that through Christ being in us or through God being in us transforms us and that this leads to praise. The second reading is from 1 Peter chapter 4 verses 12 through 14 and chapter 5 verses 6 through 11. This is a very important text, I think, because this is stating that Christ went through suffering. Christ went through all these different things and then was revealed to us, brought the glory to God, and is now in the place that God is. And now God is within us so that we need to humble ourselves and understand that there are going to be times that things are going to be difficult. And when we're going through hard times, understand that Christ is there along with us. He has gone through hard times too. But continue to call upon the Lord to make sure that those hard times aren't self-imposed. That they're hard times that this is where God is wanting us to be. And I think that's what's so important with this that also ties back to the end of that first reading of the power of prayer that we're getting here. And that that is what the glory of God is. So, before we jump into how this ties between faith and science, we have to do our shameless plug for Working Preacher, if you haven't checked out Working Preacher, I'd highly recommend it. Between their Sermon Brainways podcast, their commentaries, their discussions, since I'm not an ordained minister, I use them on a weekly basis because I can listen to a podcast and hear four different seminary professors, along with having commentaries on all the different readings and multiple discussions, all from multiple different theologians who have studied this even more than I have. So if you haven't checked out Working Preacher, I'd highly recommend it. Whew. That is a lot of readings and a lot of similar type of stuff. Because here we are at the last Sunday of Easter and we have this moment of Christ being with us, Christ telling us he is leaving, but he isn't really leaving, that he's giving us a gift, though he won't be here physically. And what does that all mean? And I think that's one of the things that I really want to point out is kind of the end of the Acts reading from verses 12 to 14, and that you have all the disciples and that they go to pray. And I think the thing that we first need to tap into at this point is why. Why would the disciples be leaving to go to pray? 
Because they have watched Jesus talking about, I'm not here to tell you when everything is going to happen. And it's not when is the kingdom of Israel going to be restored like the disciples are wondering. But he's telling them that the Holy Spirit is there. It's going to guide you. And then they watch this moment that changes everything. Not only do we have the resurrection that happened, you know, a couple weeks before, but now he is actually gone. We're watching him ascend into heaven that he doesn't die, which would have been crazy to see to begin with. But I think after that, I think I would have been like the disciples and need to go and debrief with people. Did I just see what I thought I saw? And what does this mean for me now? And I think the thing that would have come up is Jesus would say, we should pray. And that's what they do. Because at this moment, if you think about it, the disciples have been following Jesus and they've been hearing all these things. Like we're getting in the discord here from John. We get it here from Luke because this is, again, the very ending of Luke where he's essentially saying, this is what I came here for. I've done what I've needed to do and I'm leaving. And so we can give praise to that, but then it's also, I think, the true message of what it pertains to us now is buried in these epistle readings between the first and second readings. Because we have the disciples now, okay, all this went on and this is kind of crazy, so what do I do? And then we're getting from like 1 Peter and Ephesians essentially saying, do not fear, trust God, humble yourself, but you need to pray and continue to put stuff on God. And what is that going to do to a person? It's going to transform you. Jesus with ascending, Jesus needed to ascend to become who Jesus needed to be. But at that same moment with him ascending, it was time for the disciples to become the founders, the root of his church. It was time for them to become that. Because when we go through these names, Peter, who helped build the modern church, we have Thomas, who becomes a major disciple in helping the church reach distant parts like India. And how many of these names, John, James, Andrew, Bartholomew, Matthew, how many of these names we hear as churches or there's associated with the church, not only because they were the original disciples, but that they continued to do the work of what Christ had called them to be. And you're probably wondering at this point, Tyler, how does this all tie to science? And there's actually multiple different ways. First and foremost, if we think about this from something we even talked about a few weeks ago, And we talked about how caterpillars had been shown that as they become a moth or a butterfly, that they still have memory of that. And the reason I bring that up is that these disciples are having memories of who they were following Christ, but now have to ascend, have to transform into who Christ had called them to be. So they had to blossom. They had to become the final form, in this case, of who Christ was calling them to be. They no longer could be who they were when they first met Jesus. I think another way of looking at this was, and I'll attach a link down below. I was just learning about this. Orca whales. We have wondered for a long time, why do whales 
migrate. And there's lots of different hypotheses on this. But one of them right now, specifically on orca whales, is that they've noticed that they spend a lot of time around Antarctica at different points of the year, and their skin just doesn't look good. It starts getting really hazy. It starts getting like brown in spots. It doesn't get that nice black and white of what we assume an orca free willy to look like. And they have these tracks with when they've tracked them where they'll do this short trip, sometimes even with their young, where they'll go north into warmer waters for a very short period of time. And when they come back, their skin looks better. And the idea, the theory is, the hypothesis, that this possibly is the skin doesn't look good for it to preserve, to maintain, to continue to be the creature that it needs to be, that it can't put as much blood into the outermost parts of the skin. So thus the skin cells and stuff doesn't look good. It's not getting the oxygen and blood flow that it actually needs. So every so often it's actually doing a skincare regimen was what they're arguing in the discussion to go north to essentially that it's warmer. It's easier to, okay, yeah, I can let my blood flow out to these further extremities because I can afford to lose that heat. And when I'm in colder waters near Antarctica, I can't afford to do that. So I'll, for a period of time, not do that. That's what I see Christ in a way doing for us. He did the sacrifice for us, but there was a time and a place where Christ said, I need to become the beautiful thing. I need to become who I am fully. And you now know who I am. So I need to ascend and become, I need to replenish my skin. I need to make myself whole again. It's time for me to leave. There's one other small sentence that I didn't bring up in the initial readings that was in 1 Peter chapter 5 verse 8. And Peter states here, discipline yourself, keep alert, Like a roaring lion, your adversary, the devil, prowls around looking for someone to devour. And I did a quick search and actually, again, I'll attach the links down below on how do lions hunt. And actually, Peter does a great job at describing how lions hunt. Lions aren't like cheetahs or some, you know, something that does a lot of attacking. Lions do a lot of stalking. They'll do some ambush behavior, but it's very calculated. It's very meticulous. And really the only time they like to ambush is when their prey has their back turned to them and that they see it as an easy meal and that they're fairly close. So to get this idea that when the devil uses his abilities is that he's been fairly close at hand and we've ignored him for an extended period of time. We haven't checked behind us to make sure that he's not lingering, that that's when he sneaks up on us. And so I think that's a really just interesting metaphor for us to think about. But within all of this, I see these texts, especially on this final Sunday of Easter, and it's a celebration, if you want to put it that way, as we are moving into next week being Pentecost, and that we 
have this recognition of us receiving the Holy Spirit. When the disciples see Jesus ascend, like I was talking about, this, I would assume, was a life-changing moment to them. Because once they saw this, nothing was the same. Not only from the resurrection, but now you watched him not die like Elijah. And so they're going to pray, but I would assume that they're shell-shocked. They're just, what just happened? And I just think about this in the terms of like science fiction and the butterfly effect. How they talk about when you're time traveling and how it's so difficult because if you modify something in the past, it affects the future. And so that's one of the things that they'll talk about when you're in these sci-fi films, and especially if you're doing time travel backwards to going forward and how does that affect things. If you want to look and think about the great film of Back to the Future with Marty McFly and how he can't have get into a relationship with his mother because that affects himself, that he would no longer exist. Like this type of thing. But we think about this in the text and how this has changed the disciples. The last three years of them wandering around with Jesus is got to be just crazy. And now you watch this thing happen that totally changes how you move forward. And like a butterfly remembers things as a caterpillar, like this changes them. This last three years is something that they continue throughout their whole lives. You know, you have Paul, the Apostle Paul, talking about that when Jesus resurrects, that he was one of the people that Jesus came to. And again, the time and interaction that he has had with God and Jesus transforms his life and moves him forward and and changes him the rest of his life. And I think about that with us, that we are in places and should be moving toward places that are transforming us to move forward, transforming us to be different people as we continue moving ahead, understanding when is the times that we need to go to warmer waters for us to replenish, refuel so that we can continue spreading the message. But when is it that we need to fully transform? When is it that we need to quit being a caterpillar and become the butterfly or moth that we were called to be? It's one of the dangerous things that I think we often as Christians at times fall into, and it's human nature. We get comfortable and we assume then that that's what we're supposed to be doing. And at times, I think that's partially what we're getting here from Peter but also from the writer of Ephesians is talking about how we need to continue to pray. We need to continue being alert, but in that understanding that God may continue to change us and continue to move us toward a new direction, a new place, a new being that maybe we aren't necessarily looking looking for, but it's through that communication, through that talking and that relationship that we have with Christ, him saying, this is who I designed you to be. When are you going to become that? And I think that's one of the things that we don't spend enough time thinking about. There's times where we get so comfortable. We get so wrapped up in what we are, who we are at this place and at this time 
that at times we miss the calling of when he's saying, I need you to step out and take a leap of faith with me because I designed you to be more or you have outgrown this stage. It is time for you to move to the next or it's time for you to refuel for a little while. It's time for you to take care of yourself so that I can pour more into you and send you back out. It's this type of relationship that when we are in tune with that and actually spending the time, the work, the effort to do that, the praise that we give God because of that is unimaginable. That's why we have the Psalms. It's that relationship at in these two Psalms that we have this week. From God being part of and being in that relationship and communicating so well that we can then give praise to God. Talking with God and telling us, you need to look behind you. There's a lion waiting and he's getting eerily close. You need to address this. And us listening enough to look behind us and see, yeah, yeah, yeah. there is something creeping up. And yeah, I need to address that. No, Satan, you're not having this today. I'm not being ambushed that way today. That we see something remarkable and that the disciples are there and then it's, okay, we're going to go and pray about this. One, probably thanking God for the gift of what the last three years have been, but also what the heck are we supposed to do now? Because remember, the Holy Spirit hasn't come to them yet. Jesus has just talked about it. So it's kind of crazy. So they're probably, well, the one thing we know we can do is pray. Jesus kept talking to us about this stuff that was going on and now it's happened and all we can do now is pray for what is next. Because just like a butterfly, when it comes out, it takes time for it to learn how to be a butterfly. It's not, there's vulnerable moments when it comes out and it has to let its wings sit there and dry. It's vulnerable. Just like when we are stepping out and saying, okay, God, you're telling me that there's something new that you're wanting me to do. I don't understand what this means. I'm making myself vulnerable. Help me here. It's all the same type of thing. Brothers and sisters in Christ, this is exactly what this whole Easter season is. This final Sunday of Easter helping us understand that we now need to step out in faith to be who God is calling us to be. Sometimes it's saying, come home, you need to recharge. Sometimes it's saying, come home and I'm going to send you out and you are not going to be the same. Right now, if we look at the world in which we're in, there is a lot of change that is happening and the world will not be the same when everything gets back to whatever a state of normal is at some point. But we have to remember that God is still in all of this and is guiding all of this. And just like the disciples were watching this major transformation in front of them, it was the same type of thing for us right now as we are watching the same type of thing happen. So the Twitter question this week is, how are you being transformed or what is your next transformation? And For me, I know that there's a lot of different ones that I'm dealing with. I'm working on figuring out how to walk into this life of married life that's going to happen in a matter of a few months and what does that mean and learning how I need to to support my fiance, but also learning what is God calling me into the next phase of my life and not 
being satisfied purely with where I'm at right now, but continuing to work on that communication on where is he wanting me to be next? Where is, you know, what things is he wanting me to do now to continue to grow and move and go forward? And I think it's a thing that we need to make sure that we're talking with the Holy Spirit, working with that catalyst like we talked about last week to continue to bring us and closer to God so that we can get closer to the goals of what God has for us. There's so much we can talk about in the, in this reading because of what this means, because this was such a transformational moment and we'll get it again more next week. But this is the beginning of the rest of your life in a lot of ways. It's this moment that set forth the church in the direction that we're in today. It's from this moment. And so the question then becomes also, as we are moving forward, is where is the church? Where we should we be? And that won't be the Twitter question this week, but I think it's something to be considering because it's something I know I've been talking about and trying to communicate to my youth is the church is not going to be the same coming out of this. And we have to be prepared mentally, physically, and emotionally for the blessings that's going to come with that, but also the lamenting of the things we're going to have to let go for the church to be what the church needs to be for today and where God is calling us to be within the church and where is God calling his body, the church, to be in this time. So we'll wrap this up as we always do. I pray God blesses you through your faith and amazes you through science.